Good Thursday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and thank you kindly for joining us on the I Love Seville show. It's great to be with you guys. We are a block from the Charlottesville Police Department, a block from the courthouse of Almora County in the city of Charlottesville, one block off the downtown mall, smack dab in the middle of retail and shopping, the epicenter of, of it all in Charlottesville and in the shadows of Thomas Jefferson's University of Virginia. A lot to cover on today's program. A couple programming notes for you for your calendar. Tomorrow at 10.15 a.m. on Real Talk, Lloyd Snook is in the house, Juan Diego Wade in the house. On set, live in the I Love Seville studio, Mayor uh, Juan Diego Wade and Counselor Lloyd Snook. So please mark that on your calendar. Next week, we have Brad Wilcox. His book on uh, marriage and the dynamics of marriage and how it applies to sex and money and incarceration and happiness and graduation rates with your children. Brad Wilcox, the sociologist from the University of Virginia, will be in studio next week on February 21st, which is next Wednesday. So if you want to get a little saucy with the I Love Seville show and talk about love cuffs and marriage and the cause and effect of marrying somebody and staying married to someone, make sure you watch the I Love Seville show next Wednesday. Professor Wilcox in the house. I find him to be a very compelling individual and an all-around A-plus guy. If you could do me the favor of liking the show on Facebook, if you are watching, like the show, share the show. That would mean the absolute world to us. If you're on Twitter, give the show a retweet. That would mean the world to us. And if you're on LinkedIn or any of the other social platforms, subscribe to the show um, and interact with questions, comments, perspective. Whatever uh, you have on your brain, we'll relay it live on air. A couple of folks putting in the feed that your mic was not on. Is yours not? Is, are we good? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so we have that situated. Uh, folks want to hear from you, Judah. So uh, your perspective is valued, my friend. Um, Robert Kennedy is going to be a topic of conversation today. His Super Bowl ad, dissected by the University of Virginia, will offer some thoughts and perspective on that um, dissection uh, by Thomas Jefferson's uh, university faculty today. $7 million spent on that spot. Interesting little tidbit. Robert Kennedy Jr., a 1982 graduate of the UVA School of Law, um, he is the candidate who is running as an independent um, and what is looking like, uh, how would you characterize this election? A, a race Can I to swear? <laughs> the uh, early bird special. A race, what does the that mean? early bird special presidential race. I'm, I'm not sure what that means. Are you on screen? Yeah. Early bird special. Just saying whoever gets the worm first wins? Old. Who goes oh. to the early bird specials? People who like deals. No, I think <laughs> folks that go to early bird specials are old timers. Okay. Yeah, I would say we have a, a ticket of some old timers, would you not? Oh, definitely. Yeah. So we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it from UVA's lens on that $7 million spot for the 1982 UVA Law School graduate. He utilized uh, nostalgia in that $7 million Super Bowl spot, basically replayed the 
TV advertisement from his late uncle, John Kennedy. Yeah. The, the, the obvious president of the United States, former president of the United States. And really the only change was the imposing of Robert's face over John's face. Robert Kennedy, the current candidate, swears and promises he had nothing to do with the, pat, with the ad, and it was funded by a super PAC yeah, that is he, backing his campaign for presidency. He's legally not allowed to have anything to do with the, with the ad. Yeah, legally not allowed. I thought the ad was genius. Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, it's, uh, it's spot on, you know, just a, just a great short little kind of intro to the man without, uh, without getting into, you know, it's, this is the Super Bowl. Nobody wants, nobody wants politics on their ads. And this was a great way to, I think, drum up interest in the man as a candidate. Albert Graves, thank you for the retweet. Ginny Hu, thank you for the retweet. Viewers and listeners, hammer the like button. We'll talk about which holiday season has the greatest impact on the Charlottesville ecosystem and its economy. Some would say it's Valentine's Day. I am not going to include graduation as a holiday. We all know graduation and the first day of classes have the greatest impacts. I am not going to include home football games in this conversation. These will legitimately be holidays. Christmas, I don't think, has that great of an impact, uh, the specific Christmas holiday on the Charlottesville area, because we're at home. We're not out and about for the most part. And what's no. open on Christmas? Thanksgiving, I'm not sure it has that great of an impact on the Charlottesville economy. Are you talking about just that particular just that day. day? Just hmm. that day. Valentine's Day, lovebirds, reservations, restaurants. Valentine's Day, just that day. Flowers, Valentine's, just that day. Happy hour, cocktails, chocolates. What was the Gerhardt's chocolate statistic that we were uh, talking about prior to the show? I mean, they created a massive amount of chocolate specifically something like uh i think they got uh a hundred thousand pieces of chocolate ready ahead of valentine's day hundred thousand pieces of chocolate for valentine's day we'll yeah. talk about that on today's program which holiday the greatest impact on the area neil williamson two days in a row is in the headlines is is the king of content Neil Williamson watching the program, the president of the Free Enterprise Forum. Neil Williamson, a, he offers some analysis on the Free Enterprise Forum, which you can find online, support the Free Enterprise Forum, that Albemarle County should immediately offer commercial and office real estate owners the ability to convert to residential ASAP. We will unpack what Sir Neil Williamson writes on the Free Enterprise Forum today. In fact, his photo, since he's back-to-back in the headlines, should be posted on screen. Neil Williamson is... Oh, you took out the date on the headline. That was brilliant. That was smart, Jim. Neil Williamson, ilovesevil.com forward slash viewer rankings, is number 19 in the family. We'll get to the conversion of commercial and office space to residential in Almaro County and the impact it could have on the area on today's program. Also on the show, ladies and gentlemen, um, this terrifies the bejeebus out of me. Two things scare me the most as parents. I think I would, you know, I rarely speak for my wife. She's watching the program now. But fentanyl, I've said this on the program, scares the hell out of me. As a parent, fentanyl is my biggest fear. And our oldest is in kindergarten, so let's hope to God that's uh, way, 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 way. Uh, far from his reality 
Uh, the second that scares the bejeebus out of me is guns in schools. And at Murray Elementary in Ivy, Virginia, a gun was found. If there's positive here, it was in the parking lot in a car. Yeah. If that's a positive. If I'm looking at this as glasses half full, there's the glasses half full lens. A woman, not a female, Judah chastises me, left a gun in her car at Murray Elementary, and she has been arrested and was released on a $3,000 unsecured bond. Police were called to the school 2.30 p.m. yesterday. 36-year-old Tiffany N. Hicks charged with having a firearm on school property. That was, um, I mean, an awakening. It, was, it, it took me aback. It gave me pause. It's, for me, further reinforcement why metal detectors are needed in schools. Even if this, uh, even if uh, Ms. Hicks uh, had the gun in her purse without even thinking about it, do we give her the benefit of the doubt and think that perhaps she just travels with this weapon and, and, and left it in her car and she thought it was okay? Like, what if it was in her purse and she walked into school? I'd love an alarm to be sounding. Yeah. I mean, maybe let's give her the benefit of the doubt and say that maybe she did have it in her purse and had the presence of mind to take it out before going into the school, if that's where she went. Um, so you want to give her the benefit of the doubt here? I mean, obviously, it's, uh, it's foolish to leave a gun in plain sight in your car, no matter where you are. Right. Plain sight gun in your car, not on your person when you're responsible for the firearm. Just leaving it in your car where people can see. That's how guns are stolen. Yeah. That's reason for someone to break into your car, steal your gun, and do God knows what with it. You should not have a gun if you're leaving it in your car in plain sight. No doubt. Is that fair? Yeah. This comes as many around college campuses, including the University of Virginia, are chopping at the bit to not even allow guns on college campuses, period. I mean, at at that point, you're an adult, you're over 18 years old, but there's a, a loud, vocal, and organized group at the University of Virginia that's demanding no guns on college campuses, period. Of course, we, we remember the horrific incidents of, uh, incident of a few years ago of, um, I still get taken aback by this, three UVA football players murdered on grounds at the University of Virginia by a fellow student who yeah. had a gun on grounds. Andre Xavier says uh, St. Patrick's Day is one of the most impactful holidays for the Charlottesville economy. That's really? a very good one from mm-hmm. the king of uh, transportation and, and the, the, the king of um, travel, Andre Xavier. I've got to admit that surprises me. St. Patrick's Day? Yeah. Why? I mean, is there anything eventful that goes on or is, is it just Is there people- anything eventful that goes on on St. Patrick's Day? Am I missing something? Can some of the viewers and listeners help me here with Judah? I love you. I love you like a brother here, and I'm, I'm uh, you know. I, well, what goes on on St. Patrick's Day, Judah? I don't know. Around Charlottesville? I honestly don't know. Is there... I, I know in, when I was in Savannah, there was a, there was a parade that went right by my, right by my window. Can... 
people people drink. Yeah, well, yeah, I know that. People go to bars and booze. People look for some Irish music. Of which there is... There's still Irish music in this town. Okay. I understand there's no Irish bar. I think both you and I are taken aback that there's no Irish bar. Anyone that tries to make an argument that Trinity on the, on the UVA corner is an Irish bar, I will call you out on that in a second. That is not an Irish bar. <laughs> that is a college bar that just happens to have an Irish name. There is no Irish feel about Trinity. I don't even think Trinity is... Uh, oh, you're talking about... Is it called Trinity Irish Pub? Yes. Yeah. Is it even called Trinity Irish Pub? Let me confirm that. Trinity Irish Pub, Charlottesville. Let's see what the actual moniker is. Yes. It is called... Oh, they haven't updated their SSL certificate. So as a result, it's a non-secure link, and I am unable to visit their website. You can still oh, go there. Owners of Trinity... Update your SSL certificate. In fact, the branding of Trinity is just Trinity. It's not even Irish in the moniker. Actually, they have two logos. They have the logo at the top of their website, Trinity on the corner, and on the bottom of the website, Trinity Irish Pub. They're also the owners of Coop DeVille's and Boylan Heights. I wouldn't call Trinity Irish. Would you call Dirty Nellie's Irish? We've talked about this in the past. I mean, what's our... What what makes a what makes a pub an Irish pub rather than just a regular pub? Is there a uh, a specific set of criteria? I would say Guinness, some bangers and mash. So some Irish music. I mean, most I would I would imagine that a lot of bars have Guinness. Maybe a heart lager. Maybe a Smithwick's. I could see I could see food going maybe towards maybe a Magners. Go ahead. I can see food uh, holding more sway than, uh, than drinks in particular. What would be the top criteria for an Irish bar in order? I would say Irish food. Irish food, one, I'll give you that. We go Irish music, too. And what's the Irish food you see? Bangers and mash, some soda bread. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are some less appetizing uh, uh, the Irish have some odd tastes in food, I believe. Wow, throwing shade on an entire country's cuisine, <laughs> I mean, Judah Wick have you, have you in the first stage of the I Love Seville show. I like your, I like your style over there, Wick really? I mean... I'll give you the Irish cuisine. I'll go Irish music too. Mm-hmm. Three, I'm going to go Irish beer on tap. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's easy enough for anyone to do. I mean, really? I don't think that is. How many people have Guinness on tap in this town? I couldn't tell you. I, I wouldn't think many have Guinness on tap in this town. I think many have Guinness in a can in this town. I think yeah. few and far between have Guinness on tap. That's fair. Vanessa Parkhill's offering some perspective. Kevin Yancey, hello. Vanessa Parkhill's offering some uh, perspective on the, uh, the Murray uh, gun in the car incident. And mm-hmm. she says, fellas, we need a little more perspective on this. The gun in the car is only a concern if the owner had bad intent. I want you to respond to the Queen of Earliesville here. She says, the gun in the car is only a concern if the owner had bad intent. There needs to be more info shared. Remember, open carry is legal in Virginia. You actually need a permit to carry a concealed weapon. You got this. What's the response in the counter to that, Jude? I know you got this. I mean, I I don't see see a whole lot of uh, chance that somebody would randomly come up to the car break the window, grab the gun, and go inside the school. I mean, if somebody was going, 
if somebody was planning something like that, I don't think they would uh, they would go expecting to find a gun in someone's car. They would bring their own. Sadly enough, but, but why at the would same we leave it to chance. At the same time, my my response is that similar to what uh, similar to what they're trying to do with uh, with Virginia colleges in disallowing guns on campuses, I think is the fact that our rights are predicated on not infringing on others' rights. And so while, while I have no problem with open carry or you know people who are licensed to be able to carry their guns where they want... I can't my, believe you're going with this argument. Keep going. What? I won't interrupt you. I'm shocked that this is the argument you're choosing. Go ahead. But I think there are certain places where you logically don't bring a gun. You don't bring a gun into a school. And in this case... It was foolish to leave a, a gun out in the open in a car in a school parking lot. The first thing I expected out of the gates from you is it's illegal and to have a gun on school property. And that's my point. I- illegal. You cannot carry a gun onto school property. Murray Elementary. Is it Mayweather? Is it Merriweather Elementary? Murray. Is it, Kale, is it, is it what? Kale Elementary? What are you talking about? Is it Sutherland Elementary? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's, it's, it's Ivy Elementary. It's Mountain View Elementary. And it's Lakeside Elementary. Lakeside Elementary, even though they're not next to a lake, but still Lakeside. It's a, it's a nice name. You can't have a gun on school grounds. Yeah. Period. Bar, period. End of story. Right. This is not infringing on people's rights. I get that, but I think it I think it illustrates the wider point with what we're talking about with the uh, with the colleges and the fact that I don't think anyone thinks that this woman was planning anything at the school and I don't think there was much of a chance of something bad happening because there was a gun visible in her car but you're right it is illegal and what I was trying to illustrate is why why there are laws that say that despite the fact that this is an open carry state, there are places where you just shouldn't be bringing a gun. Albert Graves takes beef with what you say. Get Albert Graves' photo on screen, please. What number is he in the family? When he watches the show, I listen. Albert Graves is... I love com forward slash rankings. Uh, number seven in the polls. Number seven in the polls. He says, no, Judah. A responsible gun owner has to have the presence of mind of knowing what they can and cannot do with their gun. When it's on them and they have to know what applies, what rules apply when it comes to their location and whether or not they can have a gun on them. It's called responsible gun ownership. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Bringing a gun onto school grounds is irresponsible. Yeah. First irresponsible thing this woman did. Second irresponsible thing she did. After bringing it on school grounds, she then chose to leave the gun in her car. Yeah. The third responsible thing she did. Irresponsible. She left the gun in her car 
in plain sight. Yeah. Where people walking by the car could see the gun. Mm -hmm. She did the following irresponsible things. Brought a gun on school grounds. Left the gun in the car while not being in the car. Yeah. Third, left the gun in plain sight in the car. Yeah. No doubt. Should be arrested. Should be arrested. And for me, yet another uh, case or argument for metal detectors at schools. And I know so many people are, are, are up in arms at the metal detector and the SRO, the cops in schools conversation. Metal detectors at very least... What if she had chosen, what if she had made this decision? Clearly we have somebody who's not responsible with a gun on our hands here, right? What if she had made this decision? Oh my gosh, I brought a gun to Murray Elementary School. I'm just going to keep it in my purse and go inside and hope no one notices. Right. How many times does that happen? Hmm. I sincerely am asking this question as a parent. How many times does it happen, whether a person realizes it or not, has a gun on their person in actual schools? I would bet you it's more than we want to admit. Because if we were honest and frank and we knew that number, we would have difficult times sleeping at night as parents. Vanessa Parkhill says, point taken, the gun on school grounds is illegal, then the woman would have to go home and secure her weapon. Right. I think that's exactly what should happen. She came on Murray Elementary property and school grounds with a gun. As soon as she realized this, turn around and leave. The, the most idiotic or irresponsible of the three things was what, in your opinion? The most irresponsible? Leaving it out in the car? Leaving it out in... No, leaving it out in plain sight. That's what you mean. Yeah, leaving yeah. it out. Yeah, she could have put it in the, in the glove compartment. Right. Once she brought the gun on school grounds, she should have turned around and le- left. Yeah. And taken the gun off school grounds. No doubt. Second thing she should have done was put it in the glove box and lock the glove box. I don't know how many glove boxes lock these days, but I yeah. think a lot of glove boxes locks. Do they? Yeah. Juan hmm. Sarmiento watching the program. One's ranked in the family. He's a uh, king of, uh, yeah, number 25. Plays a mean bass, Juan Sarmiento. He's 25 in the polls. He says, he says to Vanessa, this was on school property where guns are not allowed. Juan Sarmiento said a former Louisa County teacher left his gun in the trunk of his car by mistake, had the car serviced by the auto students, and they saw it. It was reported, and they were disciplined. Possibly a person who thinks that rules don't apply to them because it's their Second Amendment right. That's what he says. Is this a person who does not believe rules apply to them? Kevin Yancey straight up says, it's in plain sight. This is the definition of irresponsibility. Yeah, no doubt. I want to have this conversation on today's talk show. We'll have it later in the show. I want you to get thinking about this. What will smartphones replace next in Charlottesville? Hmm. 
What have smartphones, before we can ask that question, what have smartphones already replaced in Charlottesville? Let's have that conversation. In a lot of ways, smartphones have replaced dating. How so? You mean... People meet online now. Yeah. There was a time where there was nothing I enjoyed more than going to a bar, having a couple beverages, getting a little liquid courage, and meeting some... uh, meeting, meeting, Meeting girls at bars. Phones have diminished that. Not completely, but certainly have diminished it some. Smartphones have impacted how we eat at restaurants and whether we choose to eat in dining rooms or we choose to order through apps and have the food delivered to our homes. Smartphones have impacted in Charlottesville how we order groceries. Mm -hmm. Smartphones have impacted how we purchase tickets. I want to discuss what is the next trend smartphones will replace or impact. So someone who is working on Main Street or socializing on Market Street can prepare themselves and stay ahead of the curve. I want your wheels turning and viewers and listeners, I want your wheels Mm -hmm. turning as well. I just got this text from my wife. Smartphones have impacted the post office. Look at how we just dropped off our Amazon box. We utilized a code. No person needed at all. You go to the downtown post office, we're there, either you or, the, uh, you or I are there once every day, right? To check the P.O. box on most occasions where we still get checks delivered by our clients to our P.O. box. Oftentimes, the downtown post office has one person working in it. Sometimes they have two, but usually only one at the window. The second person is either there to give the first person a break or to organize and sort mail and position it in boxes or get it ready for delivery. We're talking at one of the most popular post offices in Charlottesville, the one on the downtown mall. The the most popular one is the one on 29. Yeah. That one's nuts. Yeah, no doubt. The one on the downtown mall can be nuts. And why it can be nuts is because there's one person working there. Fantastic text from the better half. I want your ideas on this. But first we go to the Robert Kennedy ad. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but Kennedy is trying to penetrate Charlottesville and the University of Virginia for his campaign. He's a 1982 graduate of UVA School of Law, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the nephew of John F. Kennedy. Are you a former president or is it, are you just a president? I think it's just president. Like when people talk about like pres, you know President Clinton or W, it's President Bush, President Clinton, President Trump. Yeah, I think that's fair. Is it the same when you've passed away? Uh, Yeah, I would say he's president. You would say President John F. Kennedy, not former president, even though you're not alive. Yeah. Okay. The nephew of President John F. Kennedy, look at what he's doing in Charlottesville. He's converted the Seville Weekly newspaper. And on a side note here, the Seville Weekly has not come out this week. 
The website, let's check if the, the content on the website has been updated. C-vil.com. It's still not updated hmm. online. And the print publication still has not hit newsstands. They posted on their Facebook page that because of the Ting outage, the transformer that was hit by the Food Lion truck, that they cannot get the newspaper out no. to newsstands. And they cannot get the website updated with content. This goes to Deep Throat's point that he made yesterday. Hmm. Remember what he said? Yesterday he said this, and it made me laugh out loud. How can Charlottesville call itself a tech hub when a single ding-dong in a truck hitting one pole can take out 30,000 internet customers? First, I love the use of the word ding-dong. He said he's got a spot in Montana, and he's got lines buried everywhere for his fiber, and he never has an issue, despite blizzards. A food lion truck hit a transformer, and the local newspaper cannot publish the news. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. And from what I hear, they may not have Ting back up in some areas until mid-Saturday. Oh, you read it online. Put it in perspective. Uh, I mean, there's not much more than that, but uh, they've got an estimated time for, uh, for getting, the, getting the Wi-Fi back up. From I believe it was between uh, midday today and midday Saturday, or no? Is it? Uh, uh, I think it's eleven tonight and eleven a.m. Saturday. I mean, that's quite a wide time frame. You know what we've dubbed Food Lion? Uh, no. This is a profanity I'm about to say, ladies and gentlemen. Cover your ears if you have kids in the car. Cover your ears. Don't cover your ears, especially if you're driving and your kids are in the car. <laughs> Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Tell your, your children to put their hands over their ears and go, na 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 This is the nickname in our house for the food line. Shitty kitty. Okay. Not all food lines are created equal. Definitely not. The one, in, the one on uh, Avon Extended, fantastic. Really? Absolutely fantastic. Hmm. The one on the base of uh, Pantops, not so much. Uh, Have you seen the... I go to the one at the bottom of Pantops all the time. I've never had a problem there, but... Uh, uh, the one down 5th Street Extended. I would say that one is... Don't shop there after dark. Armed security guard at the entrance. Sketch parking lot. I would say Pantops is a step above that one. I've never been to the Avon, so I don't really know. Uh, uh, the one, there's also one. Um, there's a lot of food lines. Yeah. The Food Lion delivery truck hit a transformer in downtown Charlottesville. And it has prevented a media outlet from publishing the news. That is crazy. That is crazy. I mean, you'd think that someone... This is like 50 years ago. This is the problem Like happens like 50 years ago, not in 2024. A grocery truck hit a transformer box and kept the newspaper from printing. Yeah. Think nice. about that, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe that's one of the things that uh, smartphones will change. Oh, Judah tying a story with another story. 
I mean, and we'll tie a story with another story with another story by saying whose campaign headquarters in Charlottesville is at the old Sevo Weekly office. Yeah, Kennedy. And why is Kennedy trying to make Charlottesville a key point of his campaign? You got this. You got this. I know you got, got this. this. I know you got uh, okay. this. Um, I know you got this. I don't know. Because he's a 1982 graduate of the University School of oh, Law. Yeah. Because University of Virginia produces and births very progressive mindsets. Because we have a presidential ticket with sleepy Joe Biden and sketchy Donald Trump that is alienated, disenfranchised, disenchanted, aggravated, I'm going to make up a word, bitterized, much of America's voting population. Is there, is, has there ever been a better chance, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, we're all realistic here, the odds of a third party winning are slim to none, but has there Sadly. ever been a better chance for a third party candidate to get market share than Robert F. Kennedy, the 1982 graduate of the University School of Law? I would say there's probably not been a better time than now. With the uh, with the two choices we currently have, no no props to Ross Perot. I did an illustration in high school of. <laughs> I didn't know there was a story. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> did an illustration in high school. Go of the. Uh, let's see. It was uh, it was Bush, Clinton, and Perot. The th- their three head heads and shoulders popping out of jack-in-the-boxes and underneath it said is it the is it the um, the lesser of three evils or the evil of three lessers very nicely done Judah Wickhauer thank you no props for Gary Johnson the libertarian candidate no one anyone no okay no Gary Johnson low libertarians not Deeply appreciated in the Charlottesville market. Often stigmatized and labelized uh, as conservatives and disguised. And I think they often don't really have a consistent message either. I disagree with that. You disagree with that? I find that... They're like... You're saying the party in general or candidates specifically? I'm saying the party in general. There are uh, like, maybe if you, maybe if that's you, the issue. If you ask, the system is broken anyway. If you talk to 20 different uh, libertarians, you'll get 20 different uh, ideas about what being a libertarian is. That's fair. Um, that's fair. James Watson watching the program. Love when James Watson watches the show. Can we get his photo on screen? James Watson, number five in the family. He says, you got to love the 1970s wood paneling in the downtown mall post office. Absolutely, James Watson. There's a very kind uh, gentleman that is houseless. Oh, yeah. I love that guy. I love that guy. He sleeps outside the downtown post office. Yeah. He's always around there. He spends his entire day. Well, you can't spend your entire day because the post office is only unlocked from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. From 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., this probably in his 60s, a kind African-American gentleman in his 60s spends from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. in the post office. 
or just outside the door. His sleeping bag and his pack that holds his clothes, he watches with a keen eye through the window of the post office. His sleeping arrangement is adjacent to the side entrance, the city hall entrance of the post office. But always well kept. Always well kept. Always friendly. Always a yes sir, no sir. Mm-hmm. Kind person. Yeah. Juan Sarmiento said the food line in Lake Anna is so far above the one in town of Louisa, they are almost not the same store. And that's my issue with food line. And I won't utilize the nickname again because it did have a profanity in it. And, it, and I know I'm going to hear from my wife, and I feel somewhat guilty after saying the S H I T T Y word. Is it S H I T T Y or S H I T T I E? Why? Okay. Our moniker for the food line is S H I T T Y. Kitty. And it's because not all food lines are created equal. That's fair. There's such a large delta with product and service and safety and ambiance and quality of life. Anyway, Kennedy is clearly utilizing Charlottesville because of its ties, his ties to UVA, 82 graduate of the School of Law, as a platform in Virginia for his campaign. He understands that University of Virginia births and produces very... Uh, progressive and engaged voters. And this progressive and engaged voter base is probably, in fact, I can say most certainly disenchanted with sleepy Joe Biden and sketchy Donald Trump. Yeah. I mean, if, if we don't realize by now, and, and I will catch grief for this, and the reason I catch grief for this statement is because not that it's factual, it's because of what it could lead for an alternative result. When I say Biden is completely out to lunch mentally, I catch grief in this community about it. Not because people disagree with that comment that he's out to lunch mentally, but because the fear that it will yield the alternative result in office. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Yeah. I, I mean, it's. I, I feel like that attitude is kind of like sticking your head in the sand, but hundred uh, percent like sticking your head in your sand. But yeah, I get it. Uh, Kennedy, the lead of the show, Robert F. Kennedy, 1982 graduate of UA school of law had an ad that ran during the super bowl, a 32nd spot that a super PAC paid for the super PAC paid $7 million to run this ad. It's the American values super PAC political action committee that supports Robert F. Kennedy. And the ad was a remake or remakes, not even the right word was a duplicate of a TV commercial that President John F. Kennedy utilized in 1960. So this ad is 64 years old almost. And the only change of this ad that ran during the Super Bowl was the Super PAC superimposed, the Super PAC superimposed (laughs) Robert F. Kennedy's face on John F. Kennedy's body in the ad. The ad conjured nostalgia It had a Kennedy jingle. It had the look and feel of something that was 64 years old. It stood out immediately amongst the Super Bowl commercial rotation because it was A, a political ad, B, looked like it was 64 years old, and is now the talk of... The Isle of Seville show. Yeah. Among others. UVA staff broke the ad down 
some UVA staff, I should say, including Barbara Perry, who's the professor in presidential studies at UVA's Miller, Miller Center of Public Affairs, Jennifer Lawless, Of the, of the politics department, Kyle Kondik, the editor of Larry Sabato's Crystal Ball newsletter, all offer perspective on this. What do you want to highlight from it as, before we go to the next topic? Highlight about Kennedy. I mean, I, I know a lot of people think he's nuts, <laughs> but... Uh, he's got some very questionable stances. Yeah. But, Which one was most questionable for you? I mean, I don't know all of his questionable stances. I know he's a COVID denier. Um, Vaccine hater. Yeah. And uh, I, I kind of wonder how much of that was just, uh, was just being outrageous for, you know, to get attention. But who knows? Still, I think... Uh, I think I'll be keeping an eye on him as things uh, as things develop. He's um, claimed because... that school shootings are linked to prescription drugs. Hmm. He's actively working out on social media shirtless. Legitimately. He says COVID is a gen- genetically engineered attack. On isn't it white and black people? That's targeting white and black people. <laughs> okay. He claims the vaccines create or 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 result in autism. Is the best of what America has an out to lunch sleepy Joe Biden, a morally sketchy Donald Trump, and a third party candidate that goes to gymnasiums outside in tight Levi's jeans without a shirt, bench pressing with cameras on him while claiming vaccines cause autism and COVID was invented to take down the white man and the black man. All while whispering, yelling, I should say, that school shootings are linked to prescription drugs. Welcome to the America of 2024 and our presidential race that is T minus nine months away. Kevin Higgins on the Murray Elementary. Let's get Kevin's photo on screen. Kevin is number 10 in the family. He says this about the Murray Elementary gun. Yet the school board thinks it's okay to send a flyer home with my 10-year-old daughter to have me approve a curriculum to have her join to join a group to discuss sex, type of sex, and whether I approve if she's to meet with all genders. This came from the school board. The thought of a gun on campus is terrifying. The school board should bring us all to our knees. I'm going to repeat his comment. Kevin Higgins, King of Greenwood. 
He says, yet the school board thinks it's okay to send a flyer home with my 10-year-old daughter to have me approve a curriculum to have her join a group to discuss sex, type of sex, and whether I approve if she is to meet with all genders. This came from the school board. The thought of a gun on campus is terrifying. The school board should bring us all to our knees. Who we elect is extremely important. And I genuinely question and have questioned and will continue to question leadership in Charlottesville now, Mark County, when it comes to our children. And a gun on school grounds, even if the intent was mistake or forgetfulness or unintentional, terrifies the absolute bejeebus out of me. And further reinforces my statement that a metal detector should be at every door of every school. Every door of every school. James Watson wonders if the unhoused gentleman is a disabled vet or prior, prior postal worker. I, I do not know. I, I do not think he is a prior postal worker. I am not sure if he's a disabled vet, though. Do you have any insight that you could provide? I mean, this is one of the, he's a kind person. He, he, looks, he looks well, well taken care of. Well I mean, nourished. He, he, he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't present himself as, as dirty or scary or anything. He's respectful. Every time I pass by him, I say hello. Uh, he says hello back. Uh, his stuff is never like strewn around like you see uh, of some others. And uh, he's just a quiet, nice guy. He's a quiet, quiet, nice guy. Um, What holiday has the top impact on the Charlottesville area? We floated Valentine's Day. Andre Xavier floated St. Patrick's Day. John Blair's watching the program. He suggests Halloween could be better. He says, Jerry, good call on Valentine's Day. It's an interesting topic. On the topic of holidays, I have always felt like Charlottesville could do so much more on Halloween. Franklin Street in Chapel Hill on Halloween is amazing. Let's close down the corner on Halloween night and create an open container zone. Have a DJ dressed as Frankenstein on the corner bridge playing dancing music. Could be a lot of fun and help businesses in that part of the city. Amen, John Blair. I'd love to see a lot more stuff around Charlottesville. That was one of the things that I loved about Savannah was... John Blair makes a hilarious joke. God, this John Blair joke is so hilarious. This is very much a dad joke. I love dad jokes now because I'm a dad. But it's having hilarious and making me laugh. He says, Jerry, when it comes to Deep Throat, Deep Throat called Charlottesville, uh, what did he say with the ding-dong? He said, Seville cannot call itself a tech hub when a single ding-dong in a truck hitting one pole can take out 30,000 internet customers. John Blair says, Deep Throat missed the Seville pun of 2024. Instead of ding-dong, it should be ting-dong. Ting-dong. little zing at the uh, internet provider. Ting-tong, the Wi-Fi is dead. (laughs) Oh, Judah making it even better, Judah Wickcower. Judah Wickcower. Uh, one of our favorite viewers and listeners has this to say. Um, we got a text email last night from the principal. Oh, this is a, this is a okay, I got to protect her anonymity. 
I'm going to say a mom in the Murray Elementary School. Mom in the Murray, Murray Elementary School. I'm protecting her anonymity. We got a text email last night from, a principal, from the principal saying they had to call police and they could not give us info because it was open investigation. Where does the line draw? We had to send our kids to school today trusting everything was okay. Then we found out from parents sharing a news article about this. The principal quickly did email text update, but only quoting the police report. We don't have the full details. It's our kids. And then she says, wow, utilizing the F word, and I know that's a big deal for her. She says, duck these protocols. Quack, 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 duck these protocols. Hmm. Great point. You got a mom watching the program at Murray saying, duck, quack, quack, quack these protocols. The principal text and email the parents saying, the police, we had to call the police and they couldn't give us any information. Yeah, that's. This is an open investigation on school grounds. What is every mom and dad at that school going to do when you get a notification from the principal that the police are coming and there's an active investigation going? What are you going to do? What's your you first would, reaction? I don't, Sprint to the school and get your kid. You'd That's think, the first reaction. You'd think there would be some, uh, some reassurance. Like, there won't be any problems at school tomorrow. Who knows? There should be, don't you think? You would think. Elliot Harding, the attorney watching the program. He says, no other civil liberty, sorry, not civil, no other civil liberty gets absolutely shredded like this one. Albert Graves responds to Elliot Harding, the Esquire, by saying, bringing a gun to school is not a civil liberty. It is civil stupidity. Elliot responds to Albert, sure, I don't think a gun needs to be in school. Deep Throat watching the program. Let's get his photo on screen. <laughs> Deep Throat. <laughs> Listen to this. This is number one in the field. <laughs> uh, he says, one truck takes out all the internet <laughs> in Charlottesville. <laughs> Three inches of rain... Knocks out the water treatment plant at Moores Creek. A slight ice storm takes power out for thousands for days in Charlottesville. Our infrastructure is fully adequate, even considering massive upsoding. A moron whose salary we pay. <laughs> it's so true. This I, literally has happened wrong. in the last few years. We had the ice storm that decimated the power for Charlottesville area in Albemarle County. Because the lines are above ground. Yeah. We had rain, a, a heavy rain, crush the water treatment plant at Moores Creek. We had a food lion bread truck knock out the internet for 30,000 people to the point where the newspaper can't get published, can't publish the news. Yeah. No, this seriously happened. I know, I know. We've also got sidewalks that, uh, that people can't, especially, uh, especially people with... Uh, you know, ADA, ADA, wheelchairs, yeah. walkers, uh, can't get, well, there are some places that don't even have sidewalks. There are other places where they can't get, uh, 
can't get past what uh, uh, electric scooters and uh, and just messed up areas of the uh, of the sidewalk. You've got uh, I've seen recently people commenting about not being able to walk anywhere unless you don't mind getting hit. Uh, and then there's the lack of bike lanes in a lot of the city. Yeah, uh, infrastructure is what did he call it? Uh, adequate. <laughs> and then he says, push up zoning through. Get more people on the grid in this town, because that makes sense. He also says, RFK is a fruitcake. You get no argument from me there. That said, there is ample evidence that for some small fraction of adolescents who take... You're going to have to help me with this. I'm coming over to Judah's side. Just read the bubble. You will get no argument from me that RFK is a fruitcake. That said, there is ample evidence that for some small fraction of adolescents who take SSRIs, SSRIs, suicidal and homicidal ideation is a side effect. Do you know what SSRIs are? Uh, I think it's some type of medication. I'll look it up. Albert Graves wants our take on how we feel, what do we feel about Charlottesville and Albemarle County schools each losing millions of school funding, and do you think this will change the way affordable housing is looked at and used in our local community? You brought this up to me earlier in the week. You want to touch that? Ask the question again. How do you guys feel about Charlottesville and Albemarle County schools each losing millions of of dollars in school funding, and do you think this will change the way affordable housing is looked at and used in our local community? Uh, that's, that's a show topic by itself. Yeah. That's I, a great, I mean, I, great topic. I think one of the biggest problems we have in answering that question is that uh, there's not a whole lot to go on based on what the criteria are for the uh, for the changes. Uh, for instance, we know that Loudoun County is one of the richest counties in America, and they are going to be making, their schools are going to be getting more than our schools here locally. Um, but I know there are three criteria that were given that, uh, that affects that money but we don't know how it's actually calculated. So I think as I mentioned earlier in the week that with, um, with the influx of people probably from Loudoun County to this area, our AMI is going to go up and- Big time up, and change, big time up. And change the way that, uh, change the way those, those uh, numbers figure um, 100%. But the influx of people to Charlottesville and Almaro County are not, are, are, I would bet you this. I would bet you this. The influx of people to Charlottesville and Almaro County are above the 123,300 median income, according to HUD. And dragging it up, upwards. Dragging, raising it, grabbing it, yanking it, hauling it upward. 
hauling it upward. Mm-hmm. I can assure you the 2023 number, because that's a 2022 number, the 123,300, I can assure you the 2023 median income household for this area is going to go up. Yeah. And as that number goes up and as an influx of new residents come, those new residents, more are going to be going to private and less are going to be going to public. Yeah. Diminishing like- enrollment numbers, diminishing funding, widening the gap between haves and have-nots. Yeah, like I said, there's a, a lot of things that have changed over the last few years that I don't think we fully understand the impact of, and this is one of them. Uh, the impact of people moving into this area on the schools because of something like this, the impact of people leaving schools because the schools are underfunded or for other reasons, like, for instance, uh, during the pandemic when the, uh, when the private schools were opening and the public schools weren't. And, and Deep then, throat. You've got comments coming in for you on the uh, power lines comment you just made. Go ahead. And then, and then other, uh, other changes. Uh, I lost the, the thread, but basically, uh, pe- oh, people, you know, people taking their kids out of school altogether. Uh, we had people on our show talking about, you know, talking about neighborhood, uh, neighborhood. Ginny who? Classes. Ginny who? Yeah. Homeschool advocate. Carly Wagner, homeschool advocate. There were also the, um, uh, oh, uh, they create the Allen's shortbread um, brand. Uh, and I can't believe I'm drawing Anwar and Laura? Yeah, Anwar and Laura. All right. They, they were starting a... Uh, they stopped that, though. Okay, but the point is that there were people that were taking their kids out of school to do things like this, and eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to catch up to our, to our local public schools. Kevin Yancey watching the program, number 11 in the family, put his photo on screen. He says, deep throat. You obviously, Kevin Yancey says, have never seen a fiber optic cable... Imagine reconnecting 40,000 strands the size of human hair. Underground, underground electric would cost every person thousands to run all power underground and make it nearly impossible to locate a problem if it arises. Furthermore, Kevin Yancey says, he is a uh, truck driver. He says, and as a truck driver myself, he delivers one of my favorite products via truck. You know what that product is? Um, alcohol? <laughs> Beer. God, you know me well. He says, and as a truck driver, it's easier to drive in Washington, D.C., Chicago, and New York than in Charlottesville. So he's standing up for the food line truck driver, and he says it would be impossible to bury the lines. I would say the public schools, and I'm a huge fan of education across the board, but if folks are not reading the writing on the wall... They're not interpreting the data correctly. There are numerous headwinds. Numerous headwinds for public schools in Charlottesville, now Morrow County. There are significant tailwinds for public schools in Louisa County, Fluvanna County, and Green. Because as the middle class is getting, it's, I can't believe I'm saying this, it's now the middle class that's getting gentrified out of Charlottesville. And as the middle class 
even the upper middle class is getting gentrified out of Charlottesville. As the middle class and upper middle class gets gentrified out of Charlottesville and Alamore County, they're going to sprint to Louisa, Fluvanna, and Green. And they're going to reshape Louisa, Fluvanna, and Green and reinforce and strengthen the public school systems in Louisa, Fluvanna, and Green. And as the upper middle class, as the middle class and upper middle class gets gentrified out of Charlottesville and Albemarle, they're going to ghost town the public schools in Albemarle and in the city. And then in Albemarle and the city, you'll have funding issues, enrollment issues, and a massive gap with haves and have-nots. Massive gap. We didn't touch on this. We will get to your comments in a matter of moments. Sean Tubbs reports that it's deputy city manager, the city of Charlottesville's deputy city manager, Lionel Lyons, is out as deputy city manager after about a week on the job. The communications director for the city, Afton Schneider, said that Lyons had a family emergency and could not return to work. So Lionel Lyons, those are two great names, Afton Schneider and Lionel Lyons. Lionel Lyons, as the deputy city manager, his salary range was $175,000 to $205,000. Remember, the city engineer position is also vacant, which has a salary range of $98,000 to $123,000. One week on the job, city deputy city manager, hasta luego. Neil Williamson at the Free Enterprise Forum is championing the conversion of commercial and office space in Almaro County to housing. And by championing, what he's doing is he's encouraging the Board of Supervisors to eliminate the red tape. Do we actually think? He thinks they they may. Hmm. He thinks they may. That's good news. Uh, In Almaro County. He says, we don't even need to give them tax breaks. The commercial owners and the office owners in Almaro County. Just give them the ability to make the conversion on their own dime to residential mm-hmm. if they want. Neil Williamson, president of the Free Enterprise Forum. I like it. Um, Mayor Juan Diego Wade on Real Talk tomorrow at 10.15 a.m. Councilor Lloyd Snook on Real Talk tomorrow at 10.15 a.m. Professor UVA Brad Wilcox next Wednesday on the I Love Seville show. Judah, let's save the what will smartphones replace next in Seville for tomorrow's show. Evidently, we're still saving our Dave Matthews Band story till tomorrow's show because I forgot to put that in the rundown. Uh, I'll close with a couple more comments. He says, Deep Throat, Judah, the composite index school funding formula is very simplistic and it's focused on medians. There should be focus on needs of student population. Seville has two-thirds of public school students classified as disadvantaged. Mm. We have like 20x the density of subsidized housing as Loudoun County, but medians on household income don't look that different. Yeah. Albert Graves says the median income is a direct reflection of the school's funding, but Loudoun County is wealthier, but they also have more people per capita. Doesn't the funding and the production of your local schools have a direct impact on who and who doesn't move to the local area? I think it's certainly, yeah, I mean, look at Crozet. We can make the point he's making by highlighting Crozet and Crozet's boom to the success 
of Western Almaro and of Henley and of uh, Murray and of Ivy in particular. Um, all right, I think we did a pretty good job today. If you like the show, put in the comments, great show, love the show. We work hard for you. Literally, we, do we not work hard on this, Judah? Oh, yeah. Like, serious, right? Mm-hmm. We work hard for you, literally, and the only thing we're asking is you like the show or put in the comment section, great show, or tell somebody about the show. Spread the gospel. The Kyle Miller show is up at 2.15 p.m. Who does he have on the program, Kyle Miller, of the Kyle Miller Group? He has Jeffrey, let's see, what's the last name? Um, Jeffrey Perry, owner of Piedmont Radiant. Piedmont Radiant owner, Jeffrey Perry on the show. 2.15 p.m., Kyle Miller. Don't forget, Lloyd Snook and Juan Diego tomorrow, 10.15 a.m. in studio. So long, everybody. Take care.